0: What's up, guys? This is the Arsenal Bros podcast. We're just a bunch of bros talking about our beloved Arsenal. We needed an outlet, so so here we are. I'm Nick, and joined by my fellow Arsenal bros, Ben
1: and Kevin. Ben, how are you doing? Doing well, man. Just uh, getting ready for a big match tomorrow.
0: Big match tomorrow. Let's just jump into it with um, talking about Palace Away tomorrow. How are you
2: feeling about the match. I think I'm excited. Two two weeks away on the international break and back at it with the chance to reclaim fourth. I think drawing Palace early this year, I think our guys will be up for it. and you know Vieira will have them ready to go being an ex legend himself, still a legend himself. But I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be tight. Maybe a one zero, two one type of a game. I think we can take the points though. I agree. And Ramsdale's back, and that's a big
0: boost. Still no sign of Tomiyasu. So looking at the predicted eleven, it will most likely be unchanged um outside of Ramsdale coming in for Leno. So as well as Leno did, that's a huge plus to have Rambo back in there. And that's gonna be a hostile atmosphere. I just remember of our last games last season when the fans started to come back we were at palace and it took us late 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 to win and Martinelli scored late Benji how are you feeling going into tomorrow
1: Uh, I'm a little anxious about the post-international break startup I feel like we've come out a little slow the last few international breaks I mean that's just arsenal trauma creeping in right (laughs) but uh, with the way Palace has been playing, how organized they are, it feels like Vieira's kind of unleashed a little bit more of their attack. So I'm a bit nervy. Uh, I think I think it'll be a one-goal game either way, but obviously I'm backing the Arsenal in a 1-0. Okay, so let's get some hard numbers, Ben. You're saying one-nil
0: to the Arsenal, Kevin. What are you? What do you need us to put down on paper for your prediction?
2: I think I'd like to go with 2-1, I think, to the Arsenal. I think Palace can be dangerous off the break, especially if Saha is in the squad for them. But I think that ultimately we have the quality in front of goal that will win it for us. I agree. I certainly think
0: on paper we're, we're right there, and we should be able to take care of this, but they have been – such a tricky opponent for us, especially going at Salhurst Park on a Monday night. I hate midweek fixtures like this. I I really wish we would have played yesterday uh, mm-hmm. or even today, and I just hate this Monday night game. So my prediction on paper is going to be 1-1. As traditionally as an optimist as I am, it's best for me to get my hopes down Um from what I'm reading, it says Zaha should be out with a hamstring. I haven't seen, but, I mean, as we found with us, we've been pretty hush-hush because it gives an advantage if people know what's going on. So Gallagher's been brilliant for them, as has Mark Gahey, and they both got their call-ups, as is Tyreek Mitchell. So they have three guys coming off of of England performances, so should be flying high on confidence. This is It's going to be a tight match, I think. You know, the Palace of Old has come and gone, and Vieira and his new regime is off to a great start, and uh, it's going to be tight. I mean, I I think looking back at the reverse fixture, of the home match, we gave them their two goals and had to rely on a late, late Lacazette equalizer. But I would argue since then we're a different team, and as quality as Palace has been, we've – we've taken it up a notch and Mm -hmm. especially with Tottenham with a resounding win today, you know, Newcastle is never going to do us any favors, but as it's always been with, you know, the last five games they've all been cup final. So here we are with 10 games left and another cup final in front of us.
1: I was worried after the Chelsea result that there'd be more pressure with us playing Monday after all the, all the matches going underway that we would start to maybe creep into that. Oh, oh, looking forward, looking forward, looking forward. But I think with the big Tottenham wind, it'll push the guys to not get too excited, but be like, okay, we gotta, we gotta dive in and do business. So I think those two results kind of balance (laughs) each other out where it won't be too much pressure, but I think it'll be, it'll be motivation.
0: I think it'll tell us a lot about, the resolve of the team i mean when our backs have been against the wall since we've had the whole squad together the only times we've really fallen is in the big matches and we've showed up and and we fought valiant the only other one i can think of that we just couldn't couldn't quite take was the burnley draw but we were in control and i think that's what i've seen over the last couple of months just the the control that the, especially i think around boxing day switching to the 433 that has allowed us to really, really control games. And, you know, I could I could see that again. You know, Keski, you mentioned Zaha uh-huh, being dangerous off the break. I think, th- you know, that's, that's going to be their main – Palace's main way of attack. But I, I do see us controlling it. Uh, but I also do see such an improved Palace side. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be tight. And you're right, Ben, with the results. A couple favorable ones with – united and chelsea um again newcastle couldn't help us out whatsoever but i think hopefully that keeps us focused and we have a young team but we have a, a team full of young leaders and i think uh i think i think we'll learn a lot about kind of where we're at tomorrow I'm not saying that if we win tomorrow we're going to secure qualification but that's uh you know a monday night at salhurst park is it's nothing to snuff at, so it will certainly take take quality from us. So let's go around the league a little bit. Uh, were you guys able to watch any of the matches this weekend? Kevin, we'll start with you.
2: I saw – I watched about the entirety of the Leicester United match yesterday.
0: What, a, what a cracker that was.
2: It was. I think you're finally seeing Leicester being – close to fully fit and they are just such a different team when they have all those guys in there. Fafana being back is huge. They don't even have Vardy back yet, but I he and Acho looked dangerous all over the all over the park yesterday. And I think it was it's always enjoyable to me when United drop points and I just feel like they are compared to us in Tottenham, they are definitely trending in the wrong direction right now. I just don't trust them to get to put together a string of results that they need to get top four
0: absolutely that you know again that's going to that's really going to make our match against them just a huge one and as we know no match is bigger than another one in the run-in for us but that will the emirates is going to be rocking a seven thirty kickoff for us Mm. lunchtime kickoff over there that's just going to be a um just again just a massive massive match but what i'm looking forward to no doubt i mean all these games in the run in, like finally we have a team that we can be excited about you know it's crazy that we even just look towards last year and just even last year we were just shambolic at times like we always had an air in us. not saying we don't have an air in us anymore but it's a team that you can tell they're together and there's just something different we're trending in the right direction like you said Kevin and it's uh we're just I feel like myself you guys can speak too but I feel like it's easy easier to look forward to a match not that I never. Didn't look forward to us playing, it was a chance for redemption, but now it's a chance, it's it's exciting. There's players that you want to watch. This is a team you want to you fully get behind and, and, and have I guess there's more trust that they'll find a way.
1: Yeah. I think our young core is just so exciting. It's hard not to be just so amped every match day. I mean who would you rather have? Uh Sancho and Alonga or Martinelli and Saka? I mean, like, the way in which we're trending is just, I mean, it just is so, it feels like we're coming back. We're coming back. We're not back yet. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look back at the
0: Emory reign, when the Emirates was chanting, we've got our arsenal back in that 3-1 win over Leicester with that Aubameyang, that flowing move from Beller and the dummy through Ozos legs, tap into to Yang, That was a little bit of a false dawn. We thought we we thought we had it, but there seems to be a stability that's been lacking for a long long time. I think all three of us have been fans pretty much from the beginning of the Emirates era. And so we don't we unfortunately don't know what true stability looks like in the back. And mm-hmm. uh and we have a bit of that and it's like, "Oh, this is this is exciting." I you know, there's players that I can trust on the ball and trust that they'll take care of business. And, but you're right, Ben, the exciting talents moving forward. I, I to be honest, it's a, it's really a toss up to where who I get more excited uh, when they're on, who I get more excited about when they're on the ball, Odegaard, Martinelli or Smith Rowe. And it's, it's a great time to be a fan. Um, And, you know, and it's even greater because we get to watch the United demise before our eyes. And I think they need a, an Arsenal rebuild. And I don't think
1: they're humble enough to admit that. They've spent so much money. How do you rebuild when you're just in that deep?
0: It, it, it takes. I think it takes a commitment to a manager. And we've seen that with Arteta. And we're far from being done, which is exciting. Because this isn't the end for us. But I really think it takes commitment. And I just don't know if that fan base... Is able to see their team finish eighth two seasons in a row, and buy a bunch of young players and commit to building. I mean, nobody wants to use the rebuild, but in reality, that's what it was. It, it really, I mean, it was. It is right now. We're not, we're not there yet. Champions League's the goal for sure. At, at least, I don't. You know, to be honest, it wasn't the goal at the beginning of the season, but
1: that's it's just Europe.
0: Yeah, it's yeah it's it's pretty wild to think we've had a season. I, I, can you imagine Manchester United not having a season in Europe? I mean the place would be on fire. Um, so it's uh, it makes our ascent a little sweeter to see the giant Manchester United
1: struggling. But speaking of reset, uh, I was able to watch Emery coach this weekend to a sweet two nil loss. Uh, over in Spain and they had this stat and it was uh, Emery's side has lost something like 8 of 10 in matches leading up to a big match in Europe. And so it just reminds me of how inconsistent and terrible and shambolic the Emery reign was.
0: But he loves Europe, doesn't he? Oh goodness! He's resting his guys, or he's focusing on his Europa League, and it's uh, man, those were dark days, weren't they? Oof. And uh, it was, you know, to be honest, and maybe this is subliminal, but I think there was always going to be a fall guy after Van and Emery was that perfect fall guy. And To be fair, he got us within multiple chances of qualifying for Champions League whether that be through the league or winning Europa League two chances Um, and we dropped the ball and I think that about sealed his fate and so to be fair he got us right there but uh, never pushed us over the hump and the Arteta hiring was crucified but it's uh, it was always going to be one that took time and here we are it's taking time but he's been he's really been given the key to the city. And he's really been trusted. And I was very surprised to see that because I don't think Emery got that trust. And I know that's always something that's, that's earned. But I think uh, he's gotten that trust and he's been able to put his imprint on it. And I don't think – I think Emery was a win – had to win now. But I think um, Arteta didn't have, didn't have the pressure of having to win right now. And I think that's made a massive, massive difference. And he's gotten, gotten a chance to do that. So it seems like a long time ago since, since, since the Emory days. I mean, you have COVID, and man, it's a, it's been a long couple of years. And now we're we're getting to see the results, of the labor that's been put in. But we're also just in a position where we can be nervous again. I think there was limited hope. And so it was harder to see, uh, to see that. But now it's, we have big games. The game tomorrow night, a huge game. That's what more can you ask for as a fan games that matter for sure. So, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the transfer rumors as international break concluded there. They are obviously flying around. I have one that was, my favorite, and I know you guys have some transfers uh, that you guys enjoyed. So uh, probably the most recently was Rafinha. So, Ben, what do you think about Rafinha? Do you think that's legit? Is he someone you can see fitting in or not?
1: He's really good. I do like him a lot. Yeah, right I think he would be – I think he would just force his way into the team. I think – uh I mean, some of his flair, I think he's a winner. Kind of has that that tough nose uh, way about him. He's Brazilian, so just building the Brazilian core. Mm. I don't know. I think I could see it. He plays at the right wing, which is like the thing I am worried about is it could help move some things around, maybe move Smith-Rowe and Odegaard to the 8-10 combo. Mm But it provides us more depth than someone who's been doing it in the in the prem for a while now. He's only twenty five. Do you think he'd be willing
0: to be cover for Saka? Because reality is Saka's the franchise. He's he's yeah. one of the first, if not the first name on the team sheet. So we have Rafinha being the guy, the number ten at Leeds. But if we qualify, especially if we qualify for Champions League, that becomes a little a little more, we're going to need to rotate. He's If he can play on the left, now now he can get some time and he's competing for, he's competing on the largest stage. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, do you think it's realistic? No.
1: No. I think he's going to Bayern or to Barcelona. I agree. I think, that, I think that's the, the future for him. I think he sees what we're doing and just knows that it would it would just be a battle. I don't think and I don't think the club would spend, you know, fifty, sixty million for someone who's not gonna start.
0: Right. You're going to need a, a defined role. If we're paying for you, you're playing, and I think we found that out for sure. So Kevin, uh Yuri Tielemans, I know you're a fan of him. Do you think he could be the guy the the Jaka upgrade at left center mid?
2: Yeah, I think obviously have enjoyed watching him for for years at Leicester and one of the things I've always liked about Tielemans is just you think back to I think 2021 the second FA Cup ago or maybe it was yeah it was last FA Cup in the final I think he scored the the winner against was it Chelsea that shot from like 25 30 yards out yeah that that won that game and I think you always like guys who are able to step up in in big spots. And I think he fits the the age and the profile of what has worked out well under Arteta with his signing so far. And I think he also adds more athleticism to our midfield, which I think Xhaka has always been somewhat limited. I think he's he can be very good at what he does. But I think ultimately in some of the big games, sometimes ShotKick can get exposed, and I think you see that with his discipline record. Mm. But I think Telemans helps, helps upgrade there. And then even just the thought on Rafinha, too, is I think right now the big difference between us and Liverpool and City is just depth all, mm. all across the pitch. And, you know, you look at Liverpool up front, they have Diego Jota. They have Firmino, Salomone, Luke Diaz, all these guys. And it's tough to get a spot there. And you have to keep performing to keep your spot. But I just don't know that I see Rafinha being that guy who can challenge necessarily in that spot. Because I think you're right. Saka is close to untouchable right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I agree about Tealmans. I He's 24, I believe. It' rumored to be available for 25 million. That's really hard to turn down. I my only thing is, could we do better there? Is there somebody? Is there somebody else? And I we could talk for days about who fits that profile. And to be honest, as I think we saw this summer, I think whoever is not talked about in the media is more of an option than somebody who is talked about. It took a long time for a lot of these things to come to fruition and actually become guys that we were looking at. So it's easy to get caught up in transfers for sure, but we love it. Don't we? That's, we have to get excited. After the window that we had last, last winter, we have to look ahead and think, are we going to get that kind of money? And I think maybe not the exact amount, but I think the backing, is there for sure, especially if we make the jump into Champions League. I think we're going to be ahead, and I think we're going to get similar backing. So that is just so exciting, trusting Arteta to continue to make moves. I mean, arguably, it was 6-for-6 last window. Uh, Quite incredible, and to think about it more, it's easy to to get excited about what's next. Um, Next one, and this is one I was easily very, very excited about, Cody Gakbo from PSV Eindhoven, somebody that was a little flying under the radar, um, but really blossoming coming into his zone at PSV 22, over six foot, left winger, but more come able to come in inside, has four caps with the Dutch national team. It looks like he'd be on the plane um, to Qatar, so would be very, very excited about him. Um, I saw on Twitter he was compared to a De- Diego Jota where came in with the raw skills, but whatever system he could fit into quite easily just because of his skill set. And I absolutely think he could do that for us, providing left wing cover where he comes in as a left winger and Martinelli moves in central. I mean, who knows what the next evolution of this formation is, but he also seems like a very high-character guy, vice-captain at 22. He reminds me a lot of Kieran Tierney to where he's been at the club his whole life and knows kind of when he's outgrown his club but loves his club, but also has a great leadership spine. So uh, would be very, very excited about adding him. Uh, And the only other one that, came up a little bit with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I watched him today for Everton and he just he looks frustrated. I don't know if any of you, either of you guys watched the game or what your thoughts are on on DCL and if he could be the guy or if he could be a guy uh, fitting in somewhere. What do you guys think?
1: I'm kind of out on DCL. I know he's good. I think he'll be fine. I think he would fit into our system. But I think there's just – he just looks a little on the table as to what we can desire. Mm. You, you think in the setup he has, I know Everton have just been shambolic this season. But when he's played, it just hasn't worked. Uh, since he's come back from injury, he's just been off, seems down. And just, just that level of inconsistency, he's 26 now. And I just don't know if it fits – with what we're building,
0: could it be a little bit of an Aaron Ramsdale situation to where he is overlooked because the team is performing poorly? Had changing multiple changes of manager. He was out for about three months with a broken foot. Um, you know, is is there a chance that he could be sleeping? The world could be sleeping on him a little bit, and we could get him on the cheap, and he could come in and just bang right away, or. <laughs> Or do we need to go big on a center forward? We need to really make the splash.
2: Kevin, what do you think? I think it's tough. I think there's so many so many of those targets that we're linked to right now. And I think it's such a position of need that it's easy for agents to want to link names to Arsenal because that helps mm. increase their value. I know we talk about DCL. Another one that comes to mind immediately would be Rashford and how he has been Mm. even yesterday in that United Leicester game Cavani out Ronaldo out Greenwood's no longer on the roster like if you would have told me a year ago that those three guys are out and Rashford can't even get a start I would have called you crazy but here we are and that's the situation situation he's in and I don't think any Arsenal fan will forget or even want to remember what Rashford did against us on this debut Oof. but it's rough but you see you see that potential on him and he and DCL are both kind of the same where they're both English we have our a young English core with Ramsdale and White and Sokka and Smith Rowe and those are guys that you love having those cores together because I think we've seen how much chemistry has helped our squad this year, especially as opposed to a team like United. And I think it's just ultimately one of the big decisions we have to make is where Smith Rowe's best position is for us, where Martinelli's going to play. I know Brazil's talking about wanting him to play centrally there and just figuring out where those guys fit in and then what pieces of the puzzle Arteta wants to put around them.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a very good point, and I I have a hunch that he knows where their long term future is. He just hasn't revealed it because, I, you know, I don't know. He it was similar to when he came in, and um, he he got the most out of Maitland Niles. He got he had to get the most out of the squad that he had. So guys were fitting in positions, and he was able to get as far as he could with that. And I, you know. And after that, we had a transition from the three-four-three into the four-two-three-one, and then from there into the four-three-three. And I think you're right. I think there's a huge questions for us as fans. Where does Martinelli end up? How do we get Smith Rowe into the team? What does that look like? But I just have a I have a hunch that he knows. He he has the long-term plan for them and. You know, man, I could see Smith Rowe playing on the left wing. I could see him as a false nine. I could see him at more of a traditional ten. I could see him at on the left. I mean, I I have no idea. He's so versatile. But you're right. The squad has a lot of question marks. So going back to the transfers, who would you take if you if you could pick one? And let's say we could get either for fifty million. We have DCL or Marcus Rashford. Rashford, who's twenty four calvert lewin who's 25 both both out of favor i mean rashford much more you're right kevin i was shocked to see him not get to start with pogba playing up top with fernandez i mean wow how out of favor is i like marcus rashford right now but straight up who would you take ben we'll, we'll start with you who would you take dcl or rashford for 50 million
1: I'd go DCL. I think he fits the system more. I think he provides more in hold-up play. It's a bigger presence. Uh, you know, if we turn back into cross FC we have <laughs> to it head at home, uh, yeah, I would I think there's potential there for him, and if it's between the two i'd I'd lean DCL just because of his size. Kevin?
2: Yeah, Ben and Ben brings up a great point and part of it for me goes down to who we want to be offensively. And if we are like Ben said, cross FC and a team that we're looking to spam crosses in, I think Calvert Lewin is the perfect is the perfect player for that spot. But then you know, you look back on some of the great Wenger teams in the early two thousands and how we had Henri and Burkamp up there together and never a guy that's like a a true target but man, the goals came like left and right. And I think Rashford fits more of that type of a role and reminds you more of like a, what city like to do with Jesus or a guy like that. And I think that Rashford fits that different profile. And part of it, I think just goes back to, you know, and this is going to sound like a, a cliche, but trusting Arteta and what he wants to do and, the way he wants to Mm. build that team. And the thing I appreciate about Arteta is that, you know, the thing that made me fall in love with Arsenal Football Club itself was just the way they played the game and banger Ball, as they called it. And it was so free-flowing and just made for great YouTube compilations Mm. for you to watch. And now you see Arteta bringing these things back and you compare that to the way United look, even though Chelsea won the Champions League under Tuchel last year, they're out there and you almost just hate to watch them play. And I think that's one of the things that makes me so excited to be a fan right now is just not just that we're getting results, but it's how we're doing it. We're doing it the Arsenal way. And that is just a huge thing for me.
0: Absolutely. I, I could not agree anymore with that and, and nearly said that the liquid footy is coming back and especially with the 433 we have granted Xhaka on the left wing is able to get involved in these free flowing moves and a position to where you're like what in the world is he doing out there but he's able to be a part of it the system is coming together everybody seems to know their roles and what they need to be doing and it's been uh, exciting and you look at the right flank you have Odegaard and Saka combining and it, it is a, a a blast of the past. And especially when we look at the early Emirates days in the four-four-two midfield, of you know, you look at Hleb, you look at Freddie Youngberg, and then you we transition to Ramsey and Wilshire and Ben's boy, Santi Cazorla. And all these players just, they weren't necessarily a position they had, a, but they had a role and they seemed to pop up in that. And I think we're getting closer and closer to getting close to that. Obviously, Mikel is a a Pep graduate, and I think we're seeing a lot of similarities there. And in the four three three, just those three guys are so free flowing. And uh, you know, maybe not traditional midfielders, but it's been it's been a nice transition. And, and you're right; it's it's who we are. It's in our DNA, and it makes it it makes the transition
1: even more exciting. Yeah. I, here's a question for, for you guys. Do you think, based off of what we have, Arteta's playing with that false nine with Laka dropping in deep because that's all he can do now at, at his uh, stage in his career, or do you think that's the way he wants to play? Because there's rumors of offering him a, a new one-in-one deal, uh, offering Laka a one-in-one deal. So do you think that's, that's the future with the wings running in almost – uh, closer to how Liverpool play, or do you think it will be with more of a fluid front three like City play?
0: I think,
1: I think similar to what I was saying about the
0: the four or the three four three how what it had to be when Arteta got here. I think he's getting the most out of Lacazette. I think, I think we were really in for Vladovic and couldn't make it happen, and I think that was the profile. And we just couldn't couldn't even get a, a call through, unfortunately. And I think this is all Lacazette can do is is come in. We're getting the most out of him. And he's I think as he's as he's aged, he's obviously locked in the ninety minute fitness box to box. And he works so hard, but it's in a smaller fraction of the field and he's never gonna get in behind. So if he's not gonna gonna get him behind, he can come in and create and we can get Sokka and Martinelli in goal scoring positions and credit to them. They've grown in their finishing ability too. So uh, to answer your question, I think we're doing what we need to do with Lacazette right now. Um, I think the extension is because of who he is to the club. We lost our club captain, Obama Yang, and, and Gazette is a guy that I think even more than Oba is a dressing room guy. And so many players come on their interviews saying how he helped them settle. And I was surprised to hear just so many of them, whether they be transfers or young players. And so I think he's he's really a, a father figure in the dressing room. And he's really starting to look at uh, more and more, unfortunately. But I think, uh, I, I think we're going to get somebody that can link up, but also get in behind. I think that... Once we get another runner into the box, it's going to even open up so many more options too. So that's what I think. Kev, what do you think?
2: I I agree with you about using Lacazette. The way we're using him now is the best way. I think it's going to give us the best chance for success. And we talked about the Leicester United game yesterday. And, you know, I've been somewhat critical of Lacazette. I think just wanting more. But I also think you're right. It's just he's not exactly who he used to be. And so we have to make the most of him now. But, you know, you watch Aya yesterday and he was still dropping deep, getting the ball. But then he could turn and spin his guy and and was so dangerous off the dribble and getting him behind. And even talking about the way teams play, sometimes it's just you get the player you want and you play a little bit around them too. And, you know, it's unique that city were so interested in Harry Kane last summer. And there's still rumors about that, where he is such a different attacker than what like Gabriel Jesus is. That plays from a lot or yesterday it was Phil Foden playing the false nine. Mm. And you look at just the way even Pep has transformed the game. And so I think it's always a little bit of a mix of what you want to play, but who do you have that can, that can make that, style happen
0: yeah absolutely and i hope to get to a point where who we have is able to make a lot happen so well our last question i'm sure you guys have both seen um the leaks of the new adidas kits for next
1: year so what do you guys think of those i have
0: mixed feelings the home kit's incredible i would argue that could be our best home kit of the Emirates era. The away kit I like, but I wish it was a third kit cuz I'm such a traditionalist. I need need that yellow home kit and uh, it seems like Adidas is kind of doing an every other year thing with the yellow kits, so it's uh, it kills me to not see it, but I do enjoy it. And I don't think the pink's bad. I probably won't be buying it, but I could see it looking sharp for sure. What do you guys think?
2: So here's my here's my question the the new reds with the collar does that count as business casual <laughs> I've I've always wondered that like can I buy that jersey and can I wear it to work wear it on game day and I don't get looked at for wearing a jersey to work cuz it's got a collar on it but I think the reds remind me of going back to some of the glory days those first arsenal teams I liked <laughs> And for me, I think obviously the red's always the, always been the arsenal jersey, and the black with the yellow. I like. I can't remember us really ever having a black jersey. We (laughs) had the the very dark blue, and we had that that
1: Puma kit in fifteen. Yes, with the pink.
2: Yeah, and the all pink. I don't know. i agree it's it's definitely wild and new i don't know that i would buy it i think i'd get the red and and the black too but i think in a way we've become this team that likes to celebrate and i saw that we i saw a tweet the other day that said arsenal lead the league in distance of knee slides (laughs) this season and i think that's just who we are you know we're the celebration police seem to be coming for us every single week. And to me in a way that pink is just like this middle finger to the rest of the league who hates Arsenal's willingness to have fun. So in that regard, I'm like, all right, let's wear them. Let's kind of look like fools a little bit, but, but have fun and be saucy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think pink is fine. Red is nice. I think the black is is good. I think it's I think as we continue our rise, having some jerseys, kits like that will be good for like fans who are just looking to buy kits mm. and then bring them on board. So I think from a marketing perspective, it's kind of fun because it's gonna attract some new fans, especially as we get better. Uh, we can welcome people on the Arsenal bandwagon. and I don't mind that. I like the sound of that. So I ranked
0: my top five favorite kits. I'm not sure if you guys are able to do that. So number five was the first Emirates home home kit, a little gold piping on the side. To me, that's just nostalgic because that's right when I became a fan. So all about that. My fourth one was the blue kit from this year. Just an absolute banger. And I wish we wore it more often. Um, as third kits, I feel like they're only worn numerous times, especially when, when you're out of the Out of the cup, we just it's less games to get a chance to wear them. But love, love that. And we've played well in it, which helps. Uh, My third rank was the yellow, the bruised banana in the first year back with Adidas, um, another classy remake, as as seems to be this new home kit with the collar, a little bit of a throwback, and Adidas has just been killing that. Uh, Number two was the 125th anniversary. The Nike um, had the... I don't know what you call the leaves around the crest to celebrate the 125th anniversary famous for Robin Van Persie's hat trick at Stanford bridge. How could you forget that? Mm -hmm. And then the the number one for me, since I've been a fan uh, was the yellow kit in 2013, 2014 yellow with the blue collar, uh, Aaron Ramsey with the brace at Swansea, um, the the whole Aaron Ramsey breakout season. I just we had the striped socks as well. It was an absolute class kit, and uh, I have Mesut Ozil eleven hanging in my, my office at work. Um, so those are my top five. Do you guys have any favorites of yours that stick out, or does Adidas's new one are those going to be instant classics?
1: I uh I think you're missing two of the best ever in your list, which is a very good list and similar to mine, but the 0405 02 uh kit is just it was the first kit I ever had. Mm. And I mean I just I just could picture Vieira in it. And then the Maroon Final Highbury season. Uh, Absolutely, yes. how can I forget
0: yes. that? That Ta-Arianne was my first Reed. kit. Yes,
1: yeah. that mean,
0: was my first kit, and to be fair, that I was not. I w- I became a fan the next season. Um, I missed the, the glory days of Highbury. I missed that whole era, unfortunately, and I think that whole O2 era in terms of kits was elite, but I also think. Highbury itself
1: is iconic, and I'm sad that I missed missed that stage. Yeah, that's what I the 2002 World Cup is when I finally fell in love watching soccer, mm. and so I had most of the O2 jerseys. I would get on. I had the blue and O405. I had a yellow. Uh, I think it was the. O two, oh three, and I had the red and maroon. Hmm. And so that's where I fell in love with Thierry Henry at the two thousand two World Cup. And so then just became an Arsenal fan and it was just history from there. It was the best decision you could uh, have made. Yeah.
0: Kev, what do you think? And Favorite I think kits?
2: The the one jersey, I don't know that you said this one, but I think back to the Nike jersey, the red home, 2000. It was worn, I think, in maybe 2012 to 2014. It's the jersey we won our – not our first FA Cup, but – The first in a long time. Basically, the first (laughs) major trophy I remember winning as an Arsenal fan. And obviously, you know, things may be changing and things change with time. Aaron Ramsey was probably my favorite Mm. player early on – or not early on, but – through a lot of the Arsenal era and I felt like he just did so much for our club through all those years. And obviously his game winning goal against whole city and in the FA cup, I just picture him running towards the corner arms up in the air, going crazy. And that the red with the white sleeve and then kind of like the black band around the bottom of the sleeve for me is Mm -hmm. absolutely will forever be elite. And then, Really, the first jersey I remember supporting Arsenal during was the Dreamcast. And as as a kid, I always wanted a Dreamcast. And my parents never got me one, which turns out to be a good thing because that, this is for a different podcast. That game system was kind of a bust, but it was just such a classic jersey. And Burkamp, I mean, who can forget those classic Burkamp goals Mm. in that era? And I could watch those on YouTube all day, every day. But for me, those are two of the absolute favorites. And then this may be an unpopular opinion, but I really enjoyed the whites we wore against Forrest in the FA Cup. Didn't like the result of the game, but there aren't too many Arsenal white jerseys over the years. And I would love to see us bring back a white with just a little bit of like a red trim. I think that that would be great. And if anyone out there from Adidas is listening today, I don't even need credit for that. Just make it happen.
0: I love that. There's the inspiration. The call straight to the headquarters.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, well, Adidas is listening right now, so we're set. Absolutely. Well done, Kevin. I'll Ben. You pull some strings, and so we can make this happen. All right. Real, mm-hmm. real
0: quick before you, before we uh, close off here, would you guys be open to like a throwback jersey, like a one-off? It's a very American thing. You've seen other sports to rotate their jerseys and have a one-off. He saw it with Manchester United back in the day. Um, Cristiano, no sponsor, just the numbers. We also saw Chelsea do that a couple of years ago with their all-blue kit. Do you think the Premier League should have a, a throwback weekend and uh, we can break out some of these throwback kits? Would you guys
1: be in favor? Oh, absolutely. It would be great. It, it would be... It would be so fun to just go and see see some history. I think some of the graphic design artists
0: on Arsenal Twitter do a great job of remaking current guys and old kits, and it's just incredible to where you get to the point where you're like, can, can we see this? Can we get a game with these on? So I, I think, you're, I, think I, I enjoyed the white kits um, because they were – a one-off and it's like, Oh, it's just cool. This is the only time we're seeing it. You're right. The result tarnished it forever, uh, in a way, but I, uh, I thought that was great. So excited to see what Adidas can do from here. So, well, that concludes our first episode. You guys have a good time.
1: This is great.
2: It was, it was a blast. I'm looking forward to uh, next week's episode. Half hopefully after celebrating, six points between palace and brighton
0: it's a big week ahead of us every and i will continue to say that uh until we take care of business so all right for nick ben and kevin we are the arsenal bros thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you soon later Later. up the arsenal indeed